right? Yeah. You can't you can't climb stairs if you don't overcome. If you can't apply downforce, if you can't apply proximal to distal IR, you ain't going up the stairs. If you can't if you can't absorb distal to proximal IR, you can't go down the stairs. Good morning, happy Monday. I have neuro coffee in hand, and it is perfect. All right, a very busy Monday coming up. We got to dig straight into today's Q and A. Uh, this is with Cameron. Cameron asks a great foundational question. So one of the things from, from PT school that they teach you during subjective is to ask certain questions. Um, when people present with knee pain, one of the common questions is, hey, does it hurt when you go up and down stairs? And they say, well, yes or no. And then they might say, well, it only hurts when I go up the stairs or it only hurts when I go down the stairs. And one of the things we're gonna need to rec recognize is that the mechanics are different. Um, we still have ER with IR superimposed under both circumstances, but we have different representations of that. And so this is this question allows us to clarify what the difference is. So if you're one of those people that are dealing with knee pain and you say, oh, it only hurts when I go up the stairs or it only hurts when I go down the stairs, this is going to answer that question for you. So there you go. Thank you, Cameron. Great question. Uh, everybody have an outstanding Monday. Got to run. Um, I will see you tomorrow. I have a question about going downstairs. Okay. Uh, for what I, so anyway, I had this patient, like she had some left-sided hip stuff. That's sort of gone. She's a little bit older. She's like in her mid-60s, but <clears throat> otherwise fairly active. And um, anyway, she, she has to go in this opera house to teach um, uh, like piano lessons all the time. So she's like walking up and down stairs. And she said something the other day. So she's like, usually it's worse like coming downstairs. And she said something where I would, she's like, well, cause what we've been teaching like this sort of lowering phase, like split swaths trying to like, trying to put IR into the ground. And so now we're trying to do it faster. But she's like, well, it's sort of hard to to my land on the stair. Like I land, I land on my toe. And I guess I didn't like, so I started walking up and downstairs. I'm like, I really quickly like get to my heel, but my feet are so big. Like my toes never really, get on the stair like they're always hanging off uh -huh. so like so I, I i was gonna film her like walking on stairs today so yeah. in that situation if someone's like going if they're landing more on their toes is it like uh, like so they're landing in sort of like a late representation so i just need to get them to be able to have like a quick yield like in a late p situation like if that's the strategy they're going to use or do i need to change the strategy? Uh, well i mean do you okay um do, do you do you want to use a late propulsive strategy going down the stairs? I mean, I don't want to. It, that's the well, does anyone? Does any? Okay, so hang on. Uh, you're doing the really. subjective. You're doing the subjective with your patient, and they yeah. come in and they go, "Cameron, my right knee hurts." Yeah, and that's what and that's why they stop. And then you start to ask questions. Do you ever ask them like, "Does it hurt on stairs?" Do you ask them that question? Yeah. Okay, and do you then is the next question, does it hurt more going up or going down? Yeah. Okay, why do you ask that question? Because that's what they told you in school. They go, oh, sometimes it hurts going up, sometimes it hurts going down, right? Well, I mean, like, well, one is more of like the overcoming as opposed to one they got to like be able to catch themselves. Okay, so, so we, we have, we have. This is why there's this is why there's two representations of of superimposed ER and IR, right? Because mm -hmm. one requires that I'm moving towards a late representation, 
Okay. The other one requires that I have an early representation. Like, and it's and it's and it's very, very strong in both cases. Right. Yeah. You can't you can't climb stairs if you don't overcome, if you can't apply downforce, if you can't apply proximal to distal IR, you ain't going up the stairs. If you can't, if you can't absorb distal to proximal IR, you can't go down the stairs. Like that's the difference. That's why you asked that question. So what's her problem? Let's just start there. What is her problem? She well, she doesn't have. She can't do the the distal to proximal, like IR. There you go. That's it. Now solve the problem. Where where is she lacking? Where is she lacking the capacity to capture pro, uh, distal to proximal IR? Maybe it's her foot. Maybe it's her knee. Maybe it's her hip. Maybe Jen needs to look at her neck. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. So in the case of stairs and some stairs, because it depends on the size of the stair, whether it's carpeted or not, what their shoes are. Hmm? So like if they're going down, it's just like, so if, let's say if a, if a person's whole foot can't be on the stair, it's really huh. just like a smaller fractal sort of representation of what their, like their foot is. If they if you can't put the whole thing down. Huh? Okay, so like so like if they can only put like sort of their mid to forefoot, like their heel is now just further you back, and their you you saw you saw a grandma. Yeah, I did. She can't okay. walk though. So oh man, how disappointing. Um, okay, so here you go. Um, so my let's see, my grandma was eighty something. So in her seventies, she started to have, you know crunchy knees and and she grew up in an era where women wore high heels all the time every day right so grandma had a late foot all the time grandma went up and down the stairs sideways and then when she exhausted that capability she would go down the stairs backwards now my grandmother was not the smartest person in the room okay but she solved the problem mechanically. Like she, she goes, it hurts when I do it this way. It doesn't hurt when I do it this way. You see it? She was giving herself an opportunity, right? To capture the, to, to utilize the IR. And eventually she exhausts that too. But point being, is like, she just solved the problem. It's like, okay, when I step straight down because of the shape of my foot, ain't no way that I'm going to ever use IR. But if I turn sideways, I can move my foot a little bit further in front of my center of gravity. I can hold onto the rail. And now I can actually push into the ground. You see it? Yeah. Yeah. What I need. So my mom has a post-polio syndrome. She's had it like my whole life. So she mm -hmm. like, has so sure so she came she finally had some ankle situation but just talking about the knee she keeps going to the like the process the orthotist to like get new braces for her knee and it keeps taking the screw off because they're trying to eliminate her hyperextension uh -huh. and uh and i was like well yes yeah, doesn't stand a chance that's your literally your only mode of putting force into the ground is through a really strong twist right and and the, but they, they they can't figure it out. They're like, why does this keep getting unscrewed and coming off? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want to have that. You don't want to have that argument. <laughs> no, I, I'm not gonna do that. Though. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like, right. It's like the the, the um, I, I one of the, one of the people that I talk to on a regular basis uh, 
said there was a great moment where uh, heel to butt, heel to butt, knee bend, painful. Pro knee bend, not painful. They're not the same. Yeah. Right. Okay, so they're not the same. And so going up the stairs, going down the stairs, not the same, right? I gotta, I gotta have, an, I gotta have the early representation going down. And if I don't have that, if I'm stuck in any late, any late representation, it's like good luck with the mechanics, right? Thank you. It'd be helpful to that. I, so, yeah, like last time, I wasn't helpful. Is that what you're saying? Not really. No. Oh shoot! I try. I try. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. A very busy Tuesday coming up. Um, we're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. This is with Annette. Annette asked a great question. And so uh, we were talking at length about some joint mobilizations and such. And so then this led us to um, how we would recognize the influence of the compression within the synovial joints themselves as we're creating the mobilization or as we're presented with certain orientations. This led us to the distal to proximal influences of, of the joint mechanics that we would see in the extremities. This led us to um, how we might use taping strategies to influence the desired outcomes. So there's a lot of stuff in, in this uh, little Q&A. So thank you, Annette. Great questions. Um, gotta make a run for it. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow. Right? So, so your premise is, is very accurate. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, Annette, have you ever heard us talk about pulling on legs and stuff? Pulling legs? Pulling on a leg. To, uh -huh. make to, to create space, yeah. But I okay. was asking. Wait, 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 wait. What's mm -hmm. what's different? What's different about this joint than a hip joint or a knee joint? What's the uh, difference? No, what's it's, the difference? It's, it's the same. Uh, it is the same. So why so why wouldn't it work? Why wouldn't it work for a thumb if it works for an ankle and a knee? Uh, um, like the because it does work for a, for a thumb. It's exactly the same. So I, I, I always used to create, I, I used to be a yoga teacher. So I always try to create spaces in, in linear lines. But yeah. now I'm, I'm asking you if, if you put intention like to, to twist relatively. If you twist it in the correct direction, you will create an expanded representation. If you continue to twist it in the same direction, you are compressing it further. It's, wow. it's, it's that simple. It's that simple. So uh, it, we're back to uh, Mar Mars. Grab your towel, bud. Grab your towel. Hold your towel up. So twist it. Twist it a few times. Okay. Yeah. All right. Keep it right there. All right. So and that this is the representation of the joint that you're going to mess with. Mars, mm -hmm. twist it in the same direction. Okay. So if I twist it in the same direction, I have increased the compressive strategy. If I understand the representation and I untwist it in the opposite direction, I have created expansion. Mm. So, so your, my, your premise is absolutely correct. So my question is, does it matter if you, if you do the, the relative twist, the relative turns the, the oppo, oppo, in oppositions, oppo that the distal parts would be more externally rotated relatively to the more proximal parts? 
it's going to depend on how much turn you have, right? Yeah. We want relative turns. It's like how much exists in the joint itself first. So we have to understand a little bit about constraints. What position is it in to start with? And then you can, you, you literally can determine which direction you need to make the turns. Thankfully, they have an element of predictability in them. I'm asking about the, the if, if you should, if you should externally rotate the more proximal bones. What uh, direction do you need to turn them? That's the determining factor, right? Because Which once way do you want it to turn. Because once you said that the problem with all the tendons in the palms and and the issues in the in this tissue is uh, because uh, the the. The, the forearm is not pronated right. uh, enough, so you are you are over right. using this. Yes. yes. So this is why I started playing from the from the distal part. Right. Uh, to so the... can I tell you a quick story? Sure. So one of so one of my mentees um, was working with a guy that had right shoulder pain, and he's a weightlifter. And he's always lifted with shoulder pain. And what he did is he, he mobilized his thumb, okay, created the ER representation in his thumb, and his shoulder pain went away. And he lifted with without shoulder pain. So did he did he do it in the in, in, yes. in he did in it the in the hand? hand? He did it in the hand, correct. In, in but in which part of the thumb in the most I wasn't there. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I'm pretty sure he was turning the uh, the first metacarpal into ER. The first metacarpal into ER. Yes, ma'am. So can you can, would you use a tape, a Kinsier tape, to you know to shape the to to train the the tissues to go. What do you think the tape is for in the first place, Annette, when you do tape something? Uh, sometimes it's to create space. Sometimes it is to, I, I, uh, right. I had- No, it's like, it's like that, that's why we use tape. It's like, okay, I got you in the right position, but you don't know how to keep it there. Right. So I'm gonna tape it to incentivize you to keep it in that position. Regardless yes. of whether we're trying to compress something or expand something, Right. That's why we use that's why you use tape to do that is because you're trying to teach them to to alter the mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. To maintain whatever change that you acquired. I see. So would it be possible also to 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 manipulate something here in the palm and it will it will uh, change. If the I pump. pull on your thumb and I get your external rotation of your shoulder back, do you think I have a proximal influence? Absolutely, mm. you do. Also on the breathing. Yeah, mm. it's like um, the the first time. So 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 uh, I feel like I should pick on somebody. Ian, I'm going to pick on you for a sec. Okay, so we're gonna. All right. How do you know? How do you know with great confidence? Let's just say you got somebody in hook line and you're trying to capture 
the right-sided foot cues in hook line? How can you confirm that you have effective foot contacts on that right foot? When, when getting the ERs and IRs back after after they breathe in and out. If you get the if you get the foot contacts back, right, an effective foot. As soon as they sense the effective foot contacts, you will get extremity uh -huh. range of motion to come back to normal relative motions. Okay, if I get the hand position correct, you will have improved shoulder range of motion. You will have improved neck range of motion. Like it will, it will influence the system because the sensations are different. Therefore the muscle activity from distal to proximal will change. You will capture relative motions because you just, you gave them an early representation in the hand. Okay. That's your goal, right? Under most circumstances, if we're trying to get relative motions, right? Right. So I got to put this in the right place. So this works. So would, would, if the problem starts from, from a flat turn in, in the, in the axial skeleton uh -huh. and, and you correct it with the taping or, or from, from the distal parts, you all would, the time. would it, wouldn't it eternalize the, the, the turn, the, the orientation of forward and to the right. What do you mean internalize it? It's already internalized, like it's a naturally occurring phenomenon. Like it, it, you will not correct, if you are, if you, if you get a relief here and here, you will not be uh, motivated to, 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 you won't even feel that you are turned because I, I'm saying that I, I think my hypothesis is that the turn in the axial skeleton has, cre has created all this mess. So if if you if you cure something uh, from the distal parts, uh, wouldn't it be like orthotics, like uh, like something? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that why you use an orthotic in the first place? Is to assure that the distal mechanics are feeding the system the the, the right information. Isn't that what you want? So you think that with this, the axial skeleton will go back to the normal place? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It's like how much how much information get, gets from your hand to the axial skeleton. But that's that's just part of the process. You you say, okay, I got the hand in the right position. I think I just didn't get the rest of it. So I got to do something else that propagates the information further up the system. But sometimes you hit the home run. You just you get the thumb in the right place and everything's all fine and wonderful. And you go, here's one little piece of tape. And they go, what else do I need to do? And you go, go home. Right? Yeah. You don't know what the answer is until, until the answer emerges. Yeah, so far. Yes. Okay. So, so if you understand this representation, so you understand that a posterior compression moves me towards the IR and it restricts the ER. If you understand that the anterior compression creates a posterior expansion, which puts me in the ER, takes away my IR. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. You know what this is, right? It's a very funny looking hip. It is not. Okay. 
All right. Here, here's, here's what I need you to understand. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Finally, somebody that recognizes what a shoulder looks like. Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to give you the down, the, the superior view of the shoulder. This is a right shoulder, by the way. Okay. So um, can you, can you, are you oriented? So there's the top, this is lateral, this is medial over here. Uh, so when we talk about um, like, a, like an ER versus IR representation, we want to make sure that you understand it's like that there's an orientation of the scapula relative to the humerus that's creating these deficits, okay? So underneath this is anterior because we're looking at a superior view of a right shoulder. So, so where the bat fleck is on my chest is anterior, and then where my melon is is posterior. Okay. All right. So if I create a representation of that, can you appreciate the fact that this is an ER representation at the shoulder? Yes. Okay. Can you appreciate the fact that the expansion in the joint is anterior. Yes. Can you appreciate the fact that there's more synovial fluid anteriorly than there is posteriorly? Okay. Yes. Can you appreciate the fact that synovial fluid is incompressible? Yes. So if I have this orientation of the scapula, I am in ER and I will have a deficit in IR because there's synovial fluid in the way that will not let me access that IR representation. Yeah. You follow? Mm -hmm. So yep. it's the turn of the scapula. It's this, it's this representation of the scapula. So what turns the scapula? What, what turns the scapula? Oh, okay. So we're not referencing a hip. Not yet. We're going to get there. Oh, okay. It's easier Sorry. to see. Sorry. It's easier <laughs> to see here. It's easier okay. to see here than it is in the hip. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Right. It's bigger. It's a, it's bigger. It's a bigger change and it's easier to see. Okay. Right. So, okay. so think about this for a second. So I just, I just gave myself more ER, less IR. Where would the compression be posterior or anterior? The compression in that case is going to be post posterior because you've just opened up the anterior space. Okay. I got more ER than I got IR. Okay. So I have an IR deficit. What creates the IR deficit? Anterior compression, posterior oh, compression. Anterior compression. There you go. I knew you knew the answer. I, you, you just weren't seeing it quite right. Okay. So, so this is an anterior compression. So the anterior compression creates a posterior expansion, which turns the scapula and creates the ER. That's why you lose IR when you have an anterior compressive strategy. Okay. Now, if I compress posteriorly, can you yeah. see that I just created the IR representation? Yes. You appreciate the fact that I moved the synovial fluid from anterior to posterior aspect of the joint. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So now I got I have incompressible fluid on the backside of the joint. I can't move into ER. I'm stuck in IR. You see it? Yeah. But that's a posterior compression. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Does this make sense? Yeah, so far. Yes. Okay. So, so if you understand this representation, so you understand that a posterior compression moves me towards the IR and it restricts the ER. If you understand that the anterior compression creates a posterior expansion, which puts me in the ER, it takes away my IR. So if you understand that concept, then you understand the pelvis.
Okay. So I want those turns. Now, are they big giant turns like we like we see at the at, to the same degree in, in the shoulder girdle? Well, they're smaller, right? So they probably don't turn as much. They're stiffer, so they probably don't turn as much, but they have to turn. If they don't, you walk like grandma. Good morning. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. This is, this is not my real question, but can we quickly It's not recap? your real question? I, I bet if you ask question. a question, it becomes real. Could we quickly recap the outlet behavior again? So for what? We're thinking of outlet for the for exact example that you and Mr. Hamilton were just talking about. Um, you were saying that an anterior compression would bend the ischium into... It turns it. It's just a scapula. It's just treat it like a scapula. Like don't... Okay. Don't overcomplicate, right? If I put yeah. pressure on the front side of the pelvis, that, that pushes volume posteriorly. That's going to create the expansion posteriorly. Something has to has to allow that pressure like, to move in that direction. Otherwise, you can't move, right? Because you move in the direction of expansion. You move away from the direction of the compression, okay? So that's going to create an expanded representation posteriorly. Well, that's going to put pressure on all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So something has to move under that circumstance. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, so that's going to create the turn. Okay. Now um, you do know that the, the pelvis used to be three bones, right? Yeah. And they all got pieced. Yeah. So do you think they still behave like three bones? Hopefully. There you go. That's a great answer. That's a great answer because if, if, if they don't, it's like, well, then you've got some problems, don't you? Yes, you do. Okay, so I want those turns. Now, are they big giant turns like we like we see at the at, to the same degree in in the shoulder girdle? Well, they're smaller, right? So they probably don't turn as much. They're stiffer, so they probably don't turn as much. But they have to turn. If they don't, you walk like grandma. Okay. Oh, grandma. Okay. I uh, talked about grandma last time. You were on, grandma you were on the call time. last time, were you? No. Talked about my grandma. Uh, she, had, yeah. she had very late feet she, for, for going up and down the stairs. It was not, it was not conducive for going up and down the stairs. Okay. Um, she ended up walking sideways. There you go. Or backwards. Thank you very much, Robin. See, somebody was paying attention. You ready for my real question? Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm trying to make sure my conceptual understanding of where the IR and the ER is going in a diagonal set is legit. Um, I am setting up. So say that I'm trying to lengthen my left leg. I would have my right leg in the front in more like an IR position. I would have my left leg in the back in more of an ER position in that kind of space a little bit off to the side. Yes. All right. Yes then I keep my medial knee contact to maintain my first metatarsal head. And then I'm going to lengthen the leg, which is pushing a late ER in that. So my kind of like mental hiccup, and I don't know if I'm overcomplicating it and making this harder for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm pushing down and into the ground. I hope so. With that left leg. I hope so. so am I pushing a IR? Like it would have to be an IR going down to the ground, but then the resultant is a late ER shape. I hope so. Okay. Um, 
having some trouble? Well, it's conceptually working with the right people. <laughs> um, so stand up. Let's just let's just explain this whole thing, shall we? That would be good. Okay. So I want you in a right foot forward, wide stagger. Okay, right foot forward, wide stagger. Okay, now all I want you to do is I want you to create a late propulsive foot on the left side. You just okay. did a diagonal sit, way to go. Yeah. That's it. Simple. That's the call. Huh? That's the call. See ya, folks. <laughs> Show's over. Mic drop. I walk away. No, do, do you see it? Yeah. You yeah. First met head on the ground, right? First yep. met head on the ground. Okay. Yeah. Late representation on the left side. Late ER. There's still IR on the ground because you, you have to push through the metatarsal head. There's still some IR there. Like okay. I got to push, but what is the, what is the, what is the, um, the bias? The bias is late ER, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we really only have the first metatarsal head on the ground. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen, you see, okay. I only talk about yeah. three things. Um, previously we talked about folks who are starting to pull themselves down onto the right side. And I was just like trying to like recognize like we need to begin superimposing some IR on all the ER that they're creating on that right side to essentially turn them away from that side. That's why that might be a great starting activity for folks because they can start to, you are capturing a little IR, you're just not capturing the early representation because there's no heel represented. Okay, so so when you're, at, when you're in a late propulsive representation, so you're near the end, okay? How much relative motion is available? Very little. Yeah, like almost none, right? And we can argue. We could just say uh, you're out of you're out of you're out of juice. Like you got nothing. It's like all you got is like a first metatarsal, maybe a big toe on the ground, right? Like that's not a lot. That's not a lot of representation of relative motion. You are so biased in one direction, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So how how can you move further? How can you move further beyond that? Well, this is where you got to bend stuff. Right? Okay. So what's the easiest way to unbend stuff? To lengthen it. Bend it the other way, right? And give it the, the opportunity to re-elongate, right? Uh -huh. So I'm gonna take the opposing strategy, throw it right on top of it, pull it the other way so I get the, the representation that I just left because I don't need relative motions to get out of the twist because I didn't have it before the twist, right? I was, I was in this late representation where there's almost no relative motion. And then I jammed it down harder. It's like, all I gotta do is go mm, in the other direction. Don't need relative motions to do that, right? I just need the untwist. I need to get the expanded representation, but, but I'm not recapturing. Now you might recapture some relative motion because you're actually reducing a tremendous amount of pressure here. So you might get the change, right? But point being is, it's like, that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to get to the to the previous representation. So then I can go. So once I recapture the late representation, now I can jump right into the early representation, shut down the motor output, recapture my yielding connective tissue behavior, and now I got relative motions.